If you open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, I knew, I know that I, you, you were, you, I didn't want to disappoint any of you um, by going somewhere else, but we are, you know, we're, we're getting, we're going to actually go into the last chapter of Matthew this morning. We're going to be in Matthew 27, start off, but we're going to end up Matthew 28. Now, let me ask you a question. Be honest here. How many of you, uh, a lot of times, sometimes you'll pick up a book and you don't know if you want to read it or not, and you'll look at the end and read some of the end. Or maybe you've started reading the book, and you've got, you know, just a little ways in it, and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I want to do this. No, how's it going to end? And you turn. Anybody ever turn to the back and look at the back? Huh? Hold them up. I know Barbie had. She's just nodding. Yeah. Yeah. I have two. I have two. And I want to tell you, we're at the back of the book of Matthew. And, it's, and when we read what happens in the back of the book of Matthew, it makes me want to read the whole book. Because the back of the book of Matthew ends with a risen Savior. It begins, with, it begins with God taking on flesh and blood and coming to earth in the form of a little baby. And then it goes through his, his, his life and his ministry. And, and then, the, then his death. But it ends with his resurrection. So this morning, I, I, I've been, as an anticipation of today, and I was, I was praying, Lord, weeks ago, I was praying, Lord, you know, do I do something, a lot of times I've done different things on the first Sunday of the year, you know, and this is going to be first Sunday in 2020, I mean, can you imagine that, 2020, I, I used to, you know, they used to do science fiction pictures, uh, 2020, we're supposed to all be driving little, little flying saucers, and having all this automated stuff. You know, and I'm, I'm still taking out my Tahoe to the mechanic all the time. You know, I mean, that, all this. 2020. So, uh, uh, so I was praying, Lord, what do I do? And I realized, no, the Lord has got us, believe it or not, I believe. He brought us through Matthew to be right here today. Because I can think of no more significant, no more important, no more timely message for the church of the, of the body of Jesus Christ, whether, you're, whether you've been in a part of his body for 80 years or 70 or 60, or whether you're just a new believer or a seeker, than the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I've titled the message this morning, 2020 and all is well. 2020 and all is well. Now, now hang with me just a few minutes, because I know if we look around us and we see what's happening in the world, Right? We see what's happening in, in, in the Middle East uh, with this taking out this terrorist leader and now the, the threats and retaliations and rocket attacks in Israel and all, and all that's going on in the Middle East. And I just want to tell you, this, this conflict of the Middle East, our eyes will be there, then they'll shift to, to Asia or they'll shift, shift to some other hot spot in the world. But this, this family feud between the cousins Isaac and Ishmael and their descendants has been going on a long time. And indeed, the Middle East, Scripture, I believe, teaches that the Middle East will continue to be front and center as we draw nearer and nearer the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that our eyes will continually go back there. Then we've got the situations in, in North Korea where the North Korea leader, you know, I mean, you don't know, he's, he's kind of like an like unpredictable guy. You don't know what's going to happen there. we got conflict We've got, and then in our country, we, we've got anger and angst 
among our, among our political leaders I've never seen the likes of before. I never have. Now, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm not young. And, and I can remember when, uh, when we, if there was disagreements, you know, we, we, we disagreed and we talked and we listened and we tried to, tried to hear, say, okay, let me hear what you're saying. And now, it, it seems like that, that, is, that is lost. I, uh, I like athletics. I, I like sports. Uh, used, to, used to like to play them. Now I just think of how good I, I get better. As older I get, can't, can't do it anymore. And I just think, well, I was, I was really, boy, I was really good then, you know, because I'm removed from it. But uh, so I watch, some, probably watch too much, but I pray a lot when I watch them. I just want you to know that. Uh, <laughs> Lord, help these bulldogs. No, 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 no. I'm messing with you. I know, and y'all playing for Florida and all these other, Auburn, Auburn, and all this. Um, but last night, New England and the wild card got beat, right? Then the wild card game. Somebody said Tennessee. I didn't get, I didn't see, get to see that, but they did. But, but I think maybe our politicians are watching too much sports because it seems to me that that the leaders of our country, rather than than trying to get together and and uh, seek wisdom from from each other and from the Lord. That it's more like a, a game than, than it is leadership. And it's either their t- side wins uh, or the other side's got to lose. And, uh, and that's not a good way to try to run a country. That's not a good way to try to run a relationship or a marriage. I can remember early on in our marriage, and uh, I was, Barbius, every day I see new facets of the jewel that God gave me almost 50 years ago. And, and, I, and I love her more. But I just want to tell you, Barbie and I were two, uh, how do I put this? We, when we got married, uh, I think I was 19, she was 18. I'm out of 20. We were two strong-willed people, okay? Uh, good word for that. We, we had a lot of perseverance. Uh, and and another, the other way to say it is we're like two bulldogs. And uh, none of you will, uh, some of you might appreciate this, but, but in those 49-plus in those years, <clears throat> there have been a few opportunities. Don't you love it? There's been a few opportunities where we've been, uh, where we have had discussions about things that we disagreed upon. Okay? You follow me, right? Yeah, you follow me. Okay. Now, it was a wise man uh, or a wise person. Somewhere along the line, somebody got to me and said to me, or I read this, but they said, but this is a message. Jerry, if you have to win an argument with your wife by crushing her or, or defeating her, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? If, if one of our, if, if in an if in argument but in between two people of each other, if somebody has to lose, is anybody really one? And, and, and that realization began to dawn on me and I thought, shoot, I don't, I don't need to correct Barbie all the time she's wrong. <laughs> messing with you she's here I'm, I, but but you know what I'm saying it made me it, it, there was, real, it was a realization that every time there is a disagreement it's not reason to suit up and to arm up and to get entrenched and it seems like that's where our leaders of our country have got it's a crazy time so if you look and if you look at what's happening in these uh in these attacks it was in, in, not only in New York but a lot of attacks on Jewish people because they were Jewish. And the attacks because of, in this country, because of their faith, it's bad. 
And you look at the attacks. Was it last Sunday in Texas, right? Shooter in a, in a church, pulled out a shotgun. This crazy guy. And thank, thank the Lord there were safety teams there and they, they dealt with that. So if we look at what's happening geopolitically, some of you didn't even know I knew a word that big. <laughs> but if we look what's happening around the world and we look, look what's happening in the way man measures things, we might say, my goodness, how can you title a sermon 2020 is all as well? But when we look at the end of the book of Matthew and we see an empty tomb, all is well because our Savior is a living, risen Lord. And he's alive and well and in charge. Join me. You should be there. That's just kind of the introduction. I'll finish it up real quickly, though. Let's get to uh, Matthew 27. Kind of walk through this. Um, we're going to pick up with verse 57. Jesus, we left off with, with the crucifixion, with the, with the women there. All right, and uh, verse 57, when, when the evening was come, there came a, a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was one of Jesus' disciples. And he went to Pilate and he begged the body of Jesus and Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. And Joseph takes Jesus' body, and he wraps it in new linen, clean linen cloths, burial cloths, and he wraps them in it. And he lays him in his own new tomb, nobody that had never been used. And matter of fact, Jesus was just going to need it for about a couple, three days. Uh, but he, he laid him in, which was hewn out in the rock. And Joseph then rolled a great stone over the door of the sepulcher and departed. Verse 61 says, and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and others were there. They watched him take the body. It was, it was getting close to sundown. And remember, Jewish time was from sunup to sundown. All right, or from sundown to sundown, actually. So they, they watched where he laid it. They didn't have time to really prepare it with embalming spices and things that the way they would. But the ladies, their plan was, we'll come back later and do that. Jesus really messed up their plans, didn't he? He really messed up their plans. But that, that was their intention. We're going to come back later. And so what they do is now, we pick it up in verse 62. Now, the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees got together and they come to Pilate. Lots happening right there. And they tell Pilate, sir, we remember that this deceiver, that's the word for Jesus. This deceiver said while he was still alive, after three days, I'll rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day because his disciples may come by night and steal his body and say to the people he's risen from the dead. And boy, we'd be in a mess then. That's what they're saying. Now, there's, there's verses in Scripture. There, there, scripture is so cool. That's why I want you to get into God's Word. God is, God is so, he was cool before they knew what cool was. But, but Scripture, God, this, and verse 61 is one of those, 65 is one of those verses that just, I read it and I go, oh, that is so awesome. Verse 65, so Pilate says to him, you've got to watch, go your way, and make it as sure as you can. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Here they are. They said, man, and remember reading verse uh, 66. So they went, they made the sepulchre sure, they set a seal. Pilate gave them either, it'd be like a tape or, or wax. They, they put something on the stone. If anybody broke that, then they were going to be executed. That was that you did not break that seal. That was, that was a death sentence. 
And they set a watch. They had not only not one soldier or two soldiers, but a, but a group of soldiers to watch. And their whole purpose was to keep anybody from getting in to the tomb where the body of Jesus was laid. They had no recourse for anybody coming outside the tomb from inside, did they? They had, and so here they, they make it as sure as they can. And they did. Well, let's look what happened. In the end of the Sabbath, as it was beginning to get uh, daybreak, toward the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Now, I just want to tell you, cemeteries, uh, cemeteries, I think, can be uh, and, and I know this sounds bad. I don't, don't mean it to be bad. Because uh, Barbie grew up across the road from, from Sunset Cemetery in Murphy. And they played on the cemetery. That's kind of, that's weird. Because uh, cemeteries to me kind of be, I know you want to go there, but, but a, a cemetery right before daybreak on the darkest part of the night, and you throw in an earthquake. And I think it could be a scary, I mean, to me it's like, okay. What are we doing here? What, you know, but they, they had come to, Scripture tells us, other Gospels tell us, they'd come and they had prepared spices and they had come and they were going to finish the embalming process, okay? And as they came, they saw Joseph roll the big t- the stone across and as they were coming, as on their way, they were thinking, we got this, but we, who, gosh, who's going to open the doors? Who's going to roll that stone away? And I don't know if a seal had been set, that was set after the body had put in there, uh, but maybe, maybe they said, well, somebody said soldiers guard it. Maybe they'll let us in. You know, so they're, they're walking there. Here it is daylight. Maybe they've got a little candle or whatever. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, this earthquake comes. Now, this is pretty cool. And behold, there was a great earthquake, verse 2. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. Now, it kind of reads like that when the angel rolled this stone away, maybe that's when the earthquake came. I don't know. But he's moving the stone. And I love this. I love this verse. I've underlined it in every Bible I've got, verse 2, because I think this is an angel with an attitude, okay? We watched, we watched Christmas Santa Claus again, and I love when the elves come, and it's elves with an attitude. I, that is so cool. But here it's like an angel with an attitude because it says, and, and this is cool. God tells us this. An angel rolls a stone away, and he sits on it. Yeah, he sits on it. He, he hopped up there. He could have been standing there and, and pointed away. But I, in my mind, and you'll know how, how to pray for me more, I see this angel sitting up there on that stone, and he's just swinging his legs. He's just cool. He's just cool. He's waiting on the women to come. Jesus is not there. The angel didn't let Jesus out. The angel just wanted to show the world that he wasn't there, okay? He didn't have to roll a stone to let Jesus get out, all right? But here he is. He's sitting there. His countenance was like light, and his clothes whiter than Amway. Look at that. Verse 3, and for fear of him, but fear of the angels, it says the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Now, we know reading on over in the, in the rest, rest of the chapter, we're not going to do that this morning. We'll do that, Lord willing, uh, uh, again. But th- when the earthquake, and, and here it reads like that when this angel appeared, that these soldiers, these hardened soldiers, not afraid of anything, man, they, 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 they passed out. It, it literally scared them, not to death, but they passed out, okay? Now, I don't know when they, if, if all of a sudden they passed out, if they woke up and they realized, hey, the, the, tomb, the stone's gone, here's this, here's this guy, I don't know. But they run into the city 
to tell their religious leaders what's happened. Hey, hey, we've, we've got a problem here, you know? And the, the, the religious leaders give them a bunch of money. Hey, when you go, you need to tell people that his disciples has come and stolen. We're going to give you a bunch of money to take care of that, and we'll not let them execute you for losing the body. So that's a whole other story. But they're gone. Okay, these keepers are gone. And so the women come. And the angel said to the women in verse 5, the angel said to the women, fear not ye, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's been here, but he's not here now. He said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. Wow. This is, this is, this is, this is the right tomb. You can see the grave. You can see the linen that was wrapped around him. It's, there's no body in it. He was here, but he gone. He ain't here now. Come and, come, and they want him to experience this. Witness this. Experience this. And then go share this. Isn't that kind of the gospel? Isn't that kind of what it is? Witness it. Experience it. Then share what's happened there. And so that's what he's telling, he's telling him. Come and see. Go and tell. Harold Peasley uh, April the 11th, 1993, preached that message here. Boy, this made, those of you here made this scripture come alive. Come and see, go and tell. That was the beginning of our, of our, our that was part of our missions conference that year. Come and see, go and tell. And go quickly, the angel said, and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you to Galilee. Go there and you'll see him. And I've told you these things. And the women, verse 8 says, they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and to run to bring the disciples' word. Now, that's, that's pretty awesome. I can, I, can understand, I can understand the fearful part. You got to. They hadn't read the end of the book. They were living it. They were living it. Here they are. It's not every day you go to the cemetery to pay your respects or to complete an embalming process and there's an earthquake, and there's an angel, and there's no body. It's gone. As a matter of fact, never happened before. Never happened again. But here, this had happened, and, and, and there's a, there's, sometimes there's a, there's a lot of stuff with, that we can't explain. And there was no explanation for this. But the angel said, he, you know, look at it, witness it, experience it, go tell everybody. So they're going with stuff that they don't understand, and they can't explain. You ever, you ever been there? You know, but they're really excited too because the angel said he was alive. Now look what happens. So as they went to tell his disciples in verse nine, behold, or say, hey, wait a minute, Jesus met them and he greeted them and they worshiped him. Now look at verse 10. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now I love this. This is two times just in a matter of a few minutes. Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. The angel said to him, fear not. I, I read somewhere in, uh, one time, and you know how preachers are. I mean, if it sounds good, sometimes we'll just we'll repeat it, may not vet it. But I read sometime, somewhere that, that over 300, that there are 365 times in the Bible that God says, fear not or don't be afraid. So I said that first service, and someone came up and said, they had done Google it, you know? And I, you're Googling, he's checking on me. I, the Bereans checked on the scripture to make sure what they were taught was right. So I don't know about Google as a source, but it doesn't Google it. 
And they said, yeah, 365 times in the, in the Bible, it's, it's, we're told either don't be afraid or fear not, whatever. And they said the amazing thing was when, when the scriptures were put, were put together or when it was spoken, that uh, basically the calendar was 360 days. So God even knew and planned ahead because he knew we'd have 365. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I don't know. It's worth repeating. But what I know is this. What I know is this, is that God and Jesus wants us to not be crippled by fear. There's all kinds of opportunities. Doesn't matter if you're, doesn't matter if you're young, getting ready to go to, to mission training. Doesn't matter if you're in, in school and trying to get out of middle school and make it to high school where everything is easy. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like the kid who quit school to join the military because he didn't like discipline. You know, that's kind of, kind of, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Told his dad, I'm going to join the Marines. Son, why, why are you quitting school and joining the Marines? Because I don't like them teachers are too rough on me. I can see a father just smiling. Godspeed. I, no, anyway. But, but there, doesn't matter where, where, what stage of our life we're in. It really doesn't. Maybe, maybe we're through the years, our, our kids are, you know, are older and we've got grandkids. Or as Larry said, expecting that first great kid or great grandkid. Or maybe you've got a bundle of them. There's opportunities there, there, there's, there's things that present themselves to us that can cause us, give us opportunity to be afraid, be crippled by fear. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. What if this happens? What if this don't happen? And we, 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 can, we can just lock up. We can. But it's so cool to me. Will you guide me, Lord, when I can't see? Will you lead me, Lord? You're all that I need. Man. Man. Whatever season of life we're in, and God speaks, don't be afraid. Fear not. I'm with you. So here with the, with the, with the women, he says, don't be afraid. Go tell my brethren uh, and to go to Galilee, and there they'll see me. All is well. Because of the empty tomb. Jesus' victory over, when he came forth with keys of death, hell, and the grave, surely helps us to trust him and to not walk in fear. And that's important. And the resurrection cements all this. The resurrection is the glue that holds everything together. It's, no more, than, it's more than the glue. It's that which, which blends it all together in something that's inseparable. It becomes the cornerstone of the Christian faith. It's what separates Christianity are a relationship with Jesus Christ. Through Christianity, we're offered a relationship with the living Savior. No other religion in the world, no other religion in the world can offer that. It makes a difference what you believe. It can't just be religious. It's the resurrection. And to ever, every, ever, to every follower of Christ, the resurrection not only our hope in eternity, not only knowing that, that the grave, because it didn't hold Jesus, the promise of one day these graves are going to burst open again, not to let the bodies out, uh, but Scripture tells, tells us to be dead is to be with the Lord. There'll be resurrected bodies, but I think it's just going to be, a, again, like the earthquake, I think it's going to be a great sign to the world. And they're going to say, oh my goodness, what's happened? What's happened? But I want to close with just, bringing it down practically to me. 
is what the resurrection means. Now, this is, this is one of the reasons I'm so excited about sharing this message today. 2020, and all is well. What does the resurrection mean today for me as I walk out this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean for me? Well, for me, it changes everything. For first of all, it, 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 I, I live free from the penalty of sin, for sure. Now, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, or separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The scripture says that God loved us so much he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him would not, have, would not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm, I'm going to tell you, listen, again, as a young kid, the motive, motive, one of the motivating factors, strong motivating factors in my coming to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, I would love to say Edwin Messerschmitt, my friend, said that for him it was when he heard John 3.16 for the first time as a teenager, and he realized how much Jesus loved him, that he would die for him. And he said, anybody that loves me that much, man, I need to give my life to him. But for me, and as a young kid, I, at that point, I hadn't become a mass murderer. I, I hadn't done a lot of big list of sinful things. But I had been raised in church, in the House of Prayer Church. And I knew from Sunday school, and I knew from hearing the preaching, and I knew from the songs that if I died without Jesus Christ as my Savior, I would go to hell. I was a young kid. And I didn't, and I feared dying without the Lord because I feared hell. And it was a strong motivation. I didn't want to go there. And so it was one of the things that brought me to, to a place where I, where I was I scared to death. I was going, so I live now because Christ is my Savior and he has, he has freed me from the penalty of sin and he has given to me that gift of life. No longer am I there to collect the wages of sin in my life, but I have been given the gift of eternal life. So I live free from the penalty of sin. And I live free from the fear of sin and death because of the resurrection. And as we walk into 2020, we walk into it free to live from the penalty, free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. And we walk into it free to let God love through us because Christ is risen. We serve a living Savior. It makes all the difference in the world today. Today, with your plans, with your hopes, with your dreams, as we yield them to him. 2020, and all is well, because God is on the throne, and we serve a living Savior who is with us. Wow. Let's pray. Father, you are life. Jesus would say at one point to those listening, he said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And Lord, it's, a, it's an open door. It's a living Savior. It's a door now that is extended through grace and mercy to whosoever will to come to you. And Lord, to let you redeem us and rescue us. This great mission that you came to earth on as a baby. Lord, your confirmation and the closing chapter of that was that the, that the grave couldn't hold you, that death had no power, and that you're alive. 
And Father, as we walk into 2020 and whatever this may hold, and none of us here knows what it's going to hold for us as a nation. None of us knows what it's going to hold for us as a congregation. None of us know what it's going to hold for us individually. But you do. You do. And I hear your words speaking to us just like you spoke to the, the, the women that morning. Don't be afraid. When you can't see around the next curve, trust me. When you come to the chasm that there seems to be no way across, trust me. When it seems like the road is smooth and easy, trust me. And don't be afraid. Now while we're still praying, and I know this morning Todd and Kelly Matthews are going to be our prayer partners. They're going to be down front. And they would love to uh, pray with you if there's situations in your life or prayer requests that you just want somebody to pray with you about. They would love to do that. And also, as Todd and Kelly are coming down front, let me just say, you may be here this morning and you may just be checking out this stuff. Or it may be that you're here and that you've been going to church a long time. But somewhere in the process of starting the church, people just thought you was a Christian and you just assumed that that role and you took on that role and you've never stopped and said, wait a minute. I've never never asked Jesus into my life, man. I just started doing religious stuff. And this morning, the Holy Spirit said, hey, hey, I come in at your invitation. I'm knocking. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you now, but I'm waiting for you to ask me to come in, forgive you, and to cleanse you. If that's you, right now would be a great time. First Sunday of 2020, say, Lord, Come into my heart. Save me. Cleanse me. Make me your child. I, I, don't, I don't understand everything about it. I know some stuff. Maybe I don't know anything much at all. But I know I need you. And this morning, I'm putting all my trust in you. The old people, sometimes the wise saying was, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But Lord, we put all our hopes, all our future in an empty tomb. Because you're living Lord and our Savior. Thank you for that. And if you ask him into your life this morning, it'd be a great time to say thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're going to do as I walk with you. In Christ I pray.